Hello and welcome to another brand new edition of the Current Account. We have with us today Mr. P. N. Vasudevan to take us through the second part of our chat in his journey as a promoter of Equita Small Finance Bank. In this episode, he chalks out the way ahead for the bank and what it would take for the bank to get to where it is over a period of time. Listen. Now that you've set sight to become a universal bank, of course you are still to approach the regulator regarding this and so on. But internally, is there anything that you're beginning to sort of fine tune? You're beginning to foresee that you would require to do as a universal bank, and hence start a channelizing towards it. See, universal bank. The difference would be on a few factors. Mm-hmm. One is that mm-hmm. uh, from a capital adequacy from 15 till go to go down to nine, mm-hmm. but then uh, we don't have uh, to provide capital for market risk and uh, mm-hmm. um, operation risk today as mm-hmm. SOB. But as a universal bank, you have to provide capital against that. Mm-hmm. So there's some amount of uh, you know capability that needs to be built in the bank to assess the market capital required for these two risks. So already our risk team is on the job. So we are creating those skill sets in the bank. How do we calculate the capital required for those stories? So already that work is going on, and so we are fairly geared on that side. Second thing is that our private sector loans from 75 percent will drop down to 40 percent, and which means that it will allow me the space to do some more retail loans, which may not be private sector loans. Those retail loans could typically be like car loans, personal loans, or a two-wheeler or a credit card. Those are the kind of typical individual retail loans which may not mostly qualify for PSL. Today we are not in any of that space because I need 75 percent. PSL, which means I need 88 to percent PSL to be on the safe side. Mm. I don't want to be at the edge, mm. and so we are uh, we are completely off uh, consumer loans. We are only into commercial uh, lending space. Mm. But now what we are doing is we are uh, looking at uh, creating and uh, launching, uh, you know. Uh, products in the consumer uh, space, mm. uh, so that over the next six months, twelve months, some of these products will see the light of the day, and mm. uh, then maybe somewhere down the line, let's say twelve months from today or X number of months from today, if I do become a universal bank, then I will have some of these products available, and then we can start scaling them up from that point in time onwards. So we are getting ready from the lending side. Trying to just uh, gear up the organization's capability on a few consumer uh, products, which may not qualify for PSL. On the uh, people side, are you doing anything a little different, or the, the current setup and structure? No, on the people side, absolutely, I don't see any reason to do anything at all. We are at the senior management, so we are completely uh, mm. well uh, staffed and well manned. And uh, we have a good set of management team, mm. and uh, the universal bank and small finance bank. I don't see any difference from any other issue. Mm. It's a private sector which gives you some scope mm. for consumer loans, the uh, capital adequacy, which where you have to gear up to provide capital mm. for market mm. and uh, operation risk. So basically, these are the two main differences. Mm. But in terms of compliance, in terms of rest of the risk management, in terms of operations, actually we don't see any difference at all between mm. us and the universal mm. bank. So already we are fairly gear, well geared mm. on all of this. ECL, do you expect that to sort of the cutoff date for banks to banks and other stakeholders to give their feedback was yesterday? You would have also made your representations to the RBI. Because of the new uh, provision norms that might come in by FY25, let's say, uh, would that also call for a little bit of fine tuning of your financials, of the way you're looking at providing for your assets? See, ECL is something that we have been doing for quite quite a few years now mm-hmm. in Equitas. 
because our holding company was an NBOC. Okay. And uh, the holding company had to provide a consolidated financials of the Holco and the bank. And uh, the Holco uh, cannot consolidate uh, NDAs of the Holco and uh, IRAC norms of the bank. bank. That's not possible. Yes. So already the bank, while we prepare our, uh, you know, the regular accounting for the bank mm. from an RBA perspective, mm. we were also preparing the NDAs and the ECL format of accounting for the bank and submitting mm. to the Holco for consolidation. So already the bank is completely geared on ECL uh, framework and the NDAs. Framework. What is the differential, sir, in, in terms of your... Uh, NPA numbers from an ECL perspective and from an IRAC perspective? See, the NPA, there will be no change because both are talking of 90 plus. Uh, mm, mm, so, mm. so there is no change as far as the percentage of NPA is concerned. Yes. Provisions will change because in uh, under uh, IRAC norms uh, of RBA, you provide only for NPA and then you have some standard asset provisioning which mm. is a flat mm. provisioning mm. across uh, different product categories. Mm. But under uh, ECL, mm. you have to actually go and do your, uh, mm. you know, LGD and mm. BD of mm. your past transactions. Mm. So you have to do a 5-year, 7-year, 8-year, 10-year regression analysis mm. of your uh, portfolio mm. performance and find out typically how many proposals, how many contracts tend to go bad. And once they go bad, what's the kind of losses you mm. generally incur? Mm. And using that, you have to project for your uh, mm. portfolio going into the future and mm. then make provision on that basis. Slightly the difference is largely on the way that you provide. Mm. But anyway, we are geared Would that prompt you to look at a fundraise at this juncture? No. Or possibly a year from now when we have more clarity on the regulations? Whatever we have seen so far, the provision that we uh, incur uh, on our IRAC or on our ECL, mm. generally the difference is not much. Because we have been, as I mentioned, we have been preparing ECL uh, you know, accounting also for all this last uh, six years, mm. we have been doing that also. And in our case, we don't see much of a difference. There are other few accounting differences and all that. So all put together at the bottom part of it, we don't see much of a difference uh, as far as we are concerned. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't think that if ECL becomes a norm tomorrow, I don't think we'll need to raise capital and have an extra high quantity of provisioning hitting the bank. It, mm -hmm. it will, it is not likely to arise. On the operation side, one of the factors that sort of helped you significantly when you were transitioning from MFI to SFB was that at the time when you started, uh, rate of interest were a little high but over the course of period rate of interest did melt down significantly now that cycle is reversing again how do you see this pan out for your profitability and for your earnings and do you emphasize that once again we will see sfbs giving out interest at nine percent ten percent already we have unity sfb at ten percent it has its compulsions that's a different thing but do you see high interest rates coming from sfbs once again and from equitas in specific now we are in a rising interest rate scenario general expectation is that there will be almost one more round of increases more or less taken as granted mm. uh, another round of increase is something that people are beginning to start predicting now right uh, which means that you are going to look at an increasing interest rate scenario for another three months maybe another six months also mm. hopefully before uh, the interest rate starts plateauing mm. uh, if not reducing at least plateauing out so we are clearly in an interest rate up cycle uh, scenario mm. now mm. over the last year and a half the total increase in the repo rate from rba is around two quarter percent mm. and some of the banks uh, the larger banks the difference between their current deposit rate and the mm. one and a half to two year back deposit rate that difference is almost like one and a half to two percent mm. whereas in our case it's around one and a half 
So we just try to moderate our increase a little bit to mm. try and keep control over our cost of funds. But we also been raising it, and we will have to raise again if uh, the scenario moves up further. Mm. So we we'll also have to do that. But on the lending side, we do have some amount of advantage because mm. uh, most of the mm. segments that we lend to mostly NTC customers, okay. that is the new to credit mm. customers. Mm. And so we do have some level of uh, ability to pass on our cost of funds increase mm. to the borrowers. Second thing is that we are also growing. The increase in uh, percentage growth in income will be always higher than the percentage growth in cost, mm. which means that somewhere the bank is becoming more and more efficient. And mm. so it's a combination of the bank becoming more efficient. A part of that efficiency can be passed on to the borrowers by not passing on the entire the increase cost. in cost to the borrowers. So part of the increase we'll pass on, part of the increase we'll absorb, mm. and but be able to adjust. But the bank hasn't come to that stage yet. This is more like a futuristic thing. That's right. Mm. So we believe that through a partial pass through of the cost mm. and a partial absorption of the cost, we can still manage the spreads and bottom line of the bank. You could call out Vasu for anything, but one thing he is a stickler of is regulations and adhering to regulations. I think in today's uh, day and age, this is not a tag which everybody would have earned. So, as a person who started out career in an NBFC, who was to head a bank, and now you're heading a bank, what were the few things that ingrained in you that you decided from day one that no regulations are something I cannot bypass at any cost? I mean, it's also like a reputational risk. for any banker we may make mistakes mm. on anything which is acceptable and pardonable so long as it's a genuine mistake or an honest mistake but you know side stepping or cutting a regulatory framework is not a mistake it's <laughs> something that you do consciously and so it will be completely unpardonable totally unpardonable mm. so we have been very clear in equitas we may be a small bank we are not comparable to the large banks in terms of size i mean there are banks at 100 times my size mm. so i am not going to be able to compare with them on size on mm. scale on reputation on mm. the brand recall i am not going to be able to compare with any of those guys my number is 118 i am bank number 118 in india <laughs> so there are 117 banks ahead of me mm. who have been there before me but there is one thing uh, on which i can stand eye to eye or shoulder to shoulder and maybe even go above any other bank mm. in terms of our reputation in terms of our uh, compliance in terms of our culture and that is one thing where we believe that we can be uh, you know head and shoulder over anybody else Uh, and that is one area where we have been very conscious right from the beginning you know in cricket when the umpire calls the uh, decision mm. he always gives the benefit of doubt to the batsman yes. and not to the bowler because the bowler gets one more chance to bowl but the batsman is gone <laughs> <laughs> right so benefit of doubt always goes to the batsman so similarly in equitas the internal philosophy is that the benefit of doubt goes to the regulator and not to the bank even if it's a cost to the bank mm. we will not do it we will uh, mm. be in the middle and not at the edge of the regulation <laughs> and uh, that's something that we are very very clear about this is not an empty philosophy or it's not an empty rhetoric that we talk about but we can actually give multiple instances where we mm. actually done this even though we see a business opportunity and even though we see some other bank probably doing it 
we say that no in our view this is not looking crystal clear so we can't do it but then we don't sit back we talk to rbi we write to rbi and if at all we get a clarification from rbi that this is okay then we'll jump in and do it ourselves but if either rbi says no then we just stay where we are we don't do it so there are multiple instances where actually we uh, give up what looks like an opportunity i'm not saying it is because if it's a regulatory gray or regulatory ban it's not an opportunity at all it doesn't exist Absolutely. but what looks like an opportunity we we are quite comfortable giving it up this and this up. was the decision you took from day one that you set foot in here on your own in the industry absolutely and and we are very closely in touch with uh, all the people in rbi at all levels and we keep informing them for example i'll just give you one small example mm-hmm. you know about 6 uh, to 9 months back rbi had come and levied penalty on about half a dozen banks yes. on different uh, areas so when that happened our risk and uh, complaints team they did one special thematic audit on all those uh, areas where other banks were penalized we did on uh, assessment of ourselves where do we stand uh, and this is a voluntary one. this is voluntary we just mm-hmm. did it on our own mm-hmm. then when we did that analysis we figured out that in most of the areas actually we are very comfortable we are fully compliant and there is no cause for concern but in a couple of areas we were also actually you know weak mm. on the mm. same point only some other bank was penalized i was also weak i was not penalized only because rbi's inspection had not happened to me at that point in time but otherwise i was also actually uh, you know uh, having a gap what we did our risk and compliance they prepared a note based on this inspection saying where we are comfortable where we are not actually right or where there's a gap and then what are we going to do to fill up that gap what timeline by which we will fill up that gap they prepared that note then my instruction to my cco and my crbo was don't show me that note send it directly to rbi don't show it to me first because if you show it to me you know i am the boss then i mean always say hey guys don't report all this they are dilute it like this modify it like this i mean i know that i won't do it but the guy sitting in my chair the next time around may may do it mm. as a internal process it should not come to me it should go directly to rbi only mark to me for me to act on that gap so that's what we did from then on till now we have been sending a monthly report to rbi on the gap uh, filling up what's the progress on each of those gaps and uh, commitments on timeline so what was the feedback from the regulator because you did it so motto see generally people are happy you know see the mm. point is that a regulator also is always concerned about banks they are always concerned because yes. how much ever you have your inspections on site off site inspections how much ever reports they collect from the banks mm. and analyze it uh, remotely at the end of the day there's still a concern whether something unseen or unknown is happening wrong in any bank which can cause issue mm-hmm. right there's always a concern of a regulator mm-hmm. and also regulators as well as we know that nobody can be perfect we also know even rbi also knows that no bank can be perfect then where will rbi ever get a comfort on the banks the only way that we can give a comfort to our regulators is to say that I know I will never be perfect. <laughs> I know I'll always have a gap. I know I'll always be making mistakes. I know I'll always have some non-compliance issues. But the only way I can give comfort to you as my regulator is that I will myself keep on keeping you informed of everything which is happening wrong in the bank. I'll myself keep informing you with a commitment to improve timeline. So if that comfort we can give, that removes a lot of uh, the stress and concern mm. from a regulatory perspective. And our feedback also is that generally, you know, we enjoy some good level of uh, comfort from the regulators mm. because of this approach that they know that if something is going wrong in Equitas, we will ourselves be the first to go and inform them. As 
somebody who's seen a lot of challenges when it comes to transition uh, how are you equipping yourself to handle the next level of transition because you've not taken a step back because of the pain that can that it can cause to the system and to your uh, institution at this juncture so how is it that you're equipping yourself to handle what is to come in the future and this i would like an answer more from a thought process perspective rather than what's actually happening on ground long term future uh, plans and all that it has multiple elements in it there's a liability strategy element there's an asset strategy element there's a control risk strategy element lot of elements of strategy which makes up your future strategy for for mm. any organization mm. and uh, mm. definitely for the bank and we have our plans and there's so many things uh, we keep discussing three year plan five year plan a little longer term plan all that is happening all the time it keeps happening all the time but beyond all of that what uh, we believe mm. is that the long term strategy of uh, equitas the fundamental bedrock on which we are building our long term strategy for equitas is that we shall clearly define a path which is the best in the interest of all the stakeholders and then stick to that and then pursue that relentlessly till we keep uh, reaching our goals and uh, not get swayed by the multiple number of uh, you know suggestions advisors uh, that will keep pouring in from different people all the time so for example uh, during the demonetization times we are 53% unsecured which is our mm. microfinance and 48 was secured we had a plan to mm. keep gradually come bringing it down anyway mm. but we wanted to accelerate it given the external macro kind of factors and the impact it was creating on mm. our unsecured book we want to accelerate the diversification process mm. faster than our original plan which we put into motion and we said that in 3 years we'll bring it down to 1/3 mm. and uh, then in another 2 years we shall bring it down to 1/4 but then it was uh, giving us a short term pain because when you are winding down a little faster mm. then obviously there's an impact on pnl bottom line and all that mm. that had an effect on some of our uh, stakeholders but uh, we know that it's in the long term benefit of all the stakeholders Correct. Uh, ultimately so we went through short term pain for a couple of years and uh, before we came out and uh, we were much better off you know after the demonetization our roa went down to 0.3% and it took us nine quarters to reach a 2% level uh, return on assets but because of that faster uh, winding down of our unsecured book and all that and now we are so much more stable because of that uh, short term pain we took in those years when corona happened the minimum roa went down to was 1.1 so we never went down to the 0.3 level the minimum itself was only 1.1 and from there to come back to the 2% plus level Last. took us only 3 quarters again the 9 quarters in lot of people were telling us at that time that why do you want to rush like this ensure better profitability if you do it more slowly and all that if i had done that during corona i would again have a bad impact and i would have gone really under and it will take a much longer time to come back but we have been able to do it much faster i think from a long term business perspective while all the other elements of strategy are always something that every bank will have and mm. we will also continue to have but the philosophy is that we will never uh, hesitate to take a short term pain uh, if it means that it will lead to a long term benefit for all stakeholders and that was the last of the two part series that we promised with mr vasudevan do let us know if you enjoyed it we will be back soon with an equally interesting chat Signing off for now is your host for this edition of Current Account Hamsani Kartik